This is the one with contract shit-eaters. A moral aristocratic kleptomaniacs. The prophetess of East London. A Welsh scientist fanboy. And a terrible ending. It's called Planet of the Dead. Here we go! We're still on our endless voyage All through time and all through space With Slavine and angels now Dalek, Cybers, Uden, wow Tennant, Smith and Eccleston And Capaldi, he's the man Doctor Who is cool again That was Russell's master plan Who back when? Reviewing all new who there is Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please Rose and Donna, Amy Pond Rory, Martha and beyond Join us on this odyssey What other choice could there be but Who back when? Who back when? Ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, welcome to another episode of Who Back When? A Doctor Who podcast. Or Dogpast. This is <laughs> M057, Planet of the Dead. Holy smoke, Aroonies and Cheesecakes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, just out of curiosity, how many times have you guys seen this episode in recent times? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it once. Oh. Not as many as you, I'm guessing. <laughs> we just sat down, ladies and gentlemen, we just sat down to watch it together, and it was the third time that I have rewatched it in, uh, let's say, as many weeks. I think you've got no one to blame but yourself. I've been putting this off, hoping that we'd never get to this episode. <laughs> Even when you called me round tonight, I was like, maybe I'll crash the car on the way there. <laughs> you didn't take the bus? <laughs> no, no, I did not take the fucking bus. <laughs> nor did it fly away. The first two times that I watched this recently was on buses. No way. Or were on buses. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and on did, my phone. <laughs> and that context made you feel more warmly and sympathetic towards it? Well, the first time around, I, I kind of liked this episode. Second time around, not as much. Were you looking around at all your fellow bus travellers, wondering who will be calm in a crisis? I was like, oh, wait, hang on. I need I need someone who uh, who's Caribbean and can see the future. <laughs> Were you not looking at your multiracial motley crew around you and just bonding with them all and thinking, <laughs> well, you will definitely need to be here. Did you not ask where they were going or what they were having for the tea? I didn't. Since yeah. when are we reviewing my commute? <laughs> and where they were coming from and their home lives and just Hope general be, be really intrusive. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. No, I did not. <laughs> Shall we do a B-Scour this so people who have know, successfully avoided this episode can find out what it's about? Let's. Let's. Time for us to synopsize, clarify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? We open on Lady Christina D'Souza stealing from Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones, and the International Gallery all at once. Escaping the scene of the crime, she boards a number two hundred bus and is promptly joined by our converse-clad hero, the Doctor. Shazam! Wormhole alerts. The bus takes an unexpected detour beyond the Scorpion Nebula to the planet of San Helios, where the unfortunate passengers encounter two shit-eating bug dudes and a swarm of civilization-devouring stingrays. It now falls upon the Doctor, in reluctant collaboration with Lady DeFuckface, to get the mighty 200 and its patrons back to London, without letting the stingrays through as well, and before Unit closes the wormhole, back on Earth. Beastow over, you are welcome. Aren't you just... <laughs> Wow. So that's what this is about. Mm. Where do you want to start? <laughs> well, we start with Lady Christina D'Souza, apparently beloved enough after this episode to get her own spin-off adventures in comics and such and become an established oh, really? part. Yeah, we mentioned this on our second comics episode. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And yes. now an established part of the expanded Doctor Who cosmos. And boy, I hope we bump into her again. <laughs> A 
apparently she was originally, or this character is a derivative of a different character that was originally going to be one of the Doctor's companions. Mm. There was going to be a master thief teaming up with the Doctor. Oh, that could have been really fun. Yeah. Not if it had been her. Yeah, just if it was someone who could act a bit. Yeah. Mm. So is that our problem with her? Primarily that she couldn't act. She's also incredibly poorly written. She has a really terrible fake, like, posh accent. Oh, and she's so arrogant. Mm. Does everybody know that she's started on EastEnders. I found that out whilst mm. IMDb-ing her. Me and Drew are going to do her most famous theme for you right now. Do you want to hear? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who, who's who? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. You know so many things about this person. Okay. <laughs> I, I I really don't know where we're going with this, but let's okay. go. All right. Let's do it. You're not my mother. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Bravi. Bravi. British listeners will know what that was. <laughs> yeah. And she was in EastEnders for some years. Like a long time. Yeah. yeah right. She played. We saw her grow up. Really. She played someone called Zoe Slater and mm. was apparently voted the 35th most popular EastEnders character. Of all time? Apparently so. Behind Tiffany, I hope. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. But I am both impressed and appalled at your knowledge. <laughs> I only know about Pat. Oh, Pat Butcher. <laughs> and My bow tie is spinning right now, <laughs> listeners. What's he called? Frank. Frank. Pat and Frank. Oh. Uh, we are getting way off topic. Yeah, um, yeah. Not that I want to get back on topic. <laughs> but I just want to set this, that's the standard of acting that she's used to. It's like EastEnders style acting. Right. Like, and a completely different voice from the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, and ver- like very like common as much, like rough Londoner kind of. Right. I IMDb'd her and it seemed to me like EastEnders is her biggest career move, I guess. It made her. It made her, yeah. That's how she was discovered. <laughs> and then after that, she's not done much. She's done like an episode here, an episode there. But she did do, I think, eight episodes of a failed reboot of The Bionic Woman in which she played the title character. Wow. Yeah. So prove positive that she cannot support a series by herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, her, I think her character, like you say, was very poorly written. She was odious. She she conveyed the odiousness of the privileged aristocracy. Oh, I'm rich enough to afford mystique and go about gallivanting and ruining people's lives because that is my raison d'etre. Well, it wasn't just that. Well, yes, exactly. It was her, specifically her raison d'etre. Everything that she said was about how interesting she was mm. and, and how sexy and mysterious. It was like, oh, yeah. no, that's how I like it. Extreme and up the pooper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every, every line was just like, oh yeah, I'm always prepared for something. Magnum yes. condoms. My wormhole is pre-lubed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, she's she's awful. The worst line that she has, because I was privileged enough to be here with Marie and Leon, and we all watched it together before we started recording, is when the sand is in her hair. No! Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, she awful. definitely, she acts in no way convincingly there. Yeah. She's like, oh, no, it's in my hair. I've got dead people in my hair. But at the same time, it's like, oh, no, the poor. I'm covered <laughs> in the poor. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's not all her fault. It, that's a very poor line. I'd struggled like to think of anyone pulling that off. But is it is there a chance that she was just poorly directed or just poorly conceived as a character? Yeah, maybe. I mean, outside of acting, she doesn't seem to. I mean, okay, this is just according to IMDb. For all I know, she is off saving the world every day. But it seems as though her two accomplishments uh, across all of IMDb or IMDb trivia for her is just like she was on EastEnders and then she was voted uh, one of FHM's sexiest women of the year. Like I don't know, twelve. years years or something every year she was a different number wow Wow, and, impressive. And that's it. It's hard to make it as a poorly written woman in British television. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, Michelle, if you're listening, do write in. Oh, <laughs> oh God, now I feel a bit... Oh, no. <laughs> oh. It is weird, though, that you say that she is, she's 
unsupported here because there are two writers on this episode yeah this is written by rtd mm-hmm. and gareth roberts rtd of course done loads of episodes this is like his sixth in a row gareth roberts did shakespeare code the unicorn okay. and the wasp okay. which right. some of us like more than others yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. this one the lodger and okay. the caretaker caretaker capaldi caretaker yeah oh cool oh, so yeah. you know he's well this is beneath him it's beneath rtd what happened i don't know but isn't this just the swan song syndrome i mean we had the next Doctor yeah. last week uh, with or two weeks ago with like oh most of this episode is really good but then there are certain elements of it that are just so incredibly poorly written and, and ill-conceived same applies to this one spoiler alert same is going to apply to the next one yeah I, I had a thought actually between that episode and this was RTD really getting into Torchwood at this stage I mean you've got Torchwood you've got Sarah Jane Adventures oh. we've actually got three series ongoing I mean this one is skipping in and out in its weird special schedule but maybe everyone's just distracted that's possible. Mm. I guess so. I didn't realise he was one of the producing forces behind Torchwood. Who? RTD. Is that what well, you said? Yeah, I thought RTD was all over Torchwood. I thought that was his thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mm. thought it was too. We should probably do a bonus episode on that. We should. Mm. We are we are well behind uh, on Torchwood bonuses. But, anyway. But in, connected to that, Gareth Roberts wrote a lot of episodes for Sarah Jane Adventures. So, oh. I don't know, maybe... Actually, maybe... yeah, multitasking is, shouldn't be beyond a showrunner in general. <laughs> and, and at this point, he's doing like one episode every four months. I... I I think he can probably hack it. Like he, he, just, sh- he should be able to do this. He just forgot who his audience was. He thought that Sarah Jane was. I don't know. I don't know either. Who yeah. directed this? They wrote it. Who directed oh, it? Oh, I don't know who directed it. Sorry. Maybe it was just poorly directed. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, I tell you what. One of the notes I thought that maybe they had with her was, "You've got no chemistry with Tennant." What we'll do is we'll give you another scene where you go to the top of Sand Dune, have a five-minute conversation that's utterly pointless, and maybe by the end of that, you'll have figured out your chemistry. And all through the episode, <laughs> they kept trying it again and again, and it never worked. It made you yearn for the days of Donna Noble, did it not? <laughs> uh, no, not really. But Tennant has had marvellous chemistry with some of his temporary companions or female co-stars. Kylie? Kylie. I was thinking Kylie, yeah. yeah they had, fun, they had tremendous chemistry, yeah. right? Uh, Girl in the Fireplace, you still haven't seen that one. <gasps> yeah. And you have not seen The Girl in oh, the Fireplace? Right, I'm getting around to it. <laughs> I'm busy reviewing late Tennant. So Girl in the Fireplace, he had a relationship with, yeah. with I uh, can't remember her name now. Madame de Pompadour. Bingo bongo. Yeah, yeah, but I can't remember the actress's name. Anyway, whatever. And then uh, the doctor's daughter had a relationship with her as well. They're now married. Yeah. It uh, uh, not get more relationship yeah. than that. So could it, could it maybe also be that, like, as he isn't in any way romantically entangled with What's-Her-Face uh, EastEnders, it just ain't happening. She's just not blonde enough for him. Oh, boom. Done. That's it. That's it. You can, That's exactly you, it. You yeah. can see him grimacing away as she presses her face against his. His face went, like, after the kiss when she backs away. I, what the hell is that look? It's like the most gormless I've ever seen. I, I I felt like it was forced sort of sexy wooziness. Like, oh, wow, that was the best kiss ever. Yeah. I, I can't even really see straight. It was like a cartoon. Yeah. It, which clearly he wasn't feeling and that's not the direction. And it, you're right, cartoonish. It was like very, it was like a caricature, the yeah. whole thing. But why would you force that kiss into this? I, I don't... Don't kiss the doctor. You are an obnoxious, awful human being. Fuck you. Mm. Well, joke's on her. Now she has space herpes. But the- <laughs> <laughs> That's the least of her worries. <laughs> Oh, man. But no, she is so awful. And the end. I mean, I don't want to skip to the end right at the oh, let's beginning. Just let's just do it. Let's just do it. But where she has to fly away in the bus. And when smiling's not enough, people have to break out into spontaneous cheers and the music salutes There's even a unit soldier cheering when and she the, takes off. And yeah. she just hovers over them for like five minutes saying her goodbyes and nobody thinks to like maybe shoot the tires. Blast the shit out of her. <laughs> 
Yeah. She's only a few feet up. She'll survive that fall, and then you can lock her up like she should be. And now you've placed alien technology in the hands of a criminal. Mm -hmm. There's a darker version of this Easter special somewhere in a parallel (laughs) universe where she crashes that bus into an orphanage, and the space piranhas come and shock NATO the entire Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What happens... After she flies away, she can't get away from Earth. She just has to land somewhere in another country. She doesn't... In, I mean, it's in this Doctor Who comic universe. She must be gallivanting about across all of space, but that wouldn't happen. She'd just go to France, probably, and start <laughs> stealing from the Louvre. I don't know. That's exactly what would happen. She's. I bet she's now going to use the, the anti-gravity clamps hmm. to just steal stuff. She can steal heavy things now, because she's, she's got... got a an- getaway car. Yeah. Bus. Yeah. Well, either that, or she could just put those clamps on, you know, she could put them on the oh. Statue of Liberty and just fly that away. <laughs> Except it's a weeping angel, but... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You Temporarily forgot that. about that. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Really, not a good choice by anyone. No. And I tell you what as well, they focused on her so much to try and make her likable in this episode that we see almost nothing of all the, the other side characters. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Did you recognise the guy, by the way? Barkley? Yeah. Where do I recognise He's guy? the lead character in Get Out, in the very recent Get Out. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, nice one, Barkley. Yeah, well done. <laughs> uh, I didn't make a note of his name, unfortunately. I, I don't know his name. But I mean, he's fantastic in Get Out. Also, did not realise he's English. He does a... I, mean, I assumed he was American just from Get Out. Great. Also, watch Get Out. It's a great film. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, they said there'll be a test on it later about the uh, passengers' names. Can we remember any other names oh. than Barclay? Barclay. Yeah. Nathan. Yeah. Yes, Jobless Nathan. Jobless Nathan. Oh. Caribbean lady. Carmen. Caribbean lady's husband. No, you got me there. <laughs> Is it like Angela? Angela? Maybe. Yeah. Well, two of us <laughs> came up with it, so I guess... <laughs> But surname, she gave a surname. Oh, I did oh, write right. that down in my five pages of notes. <laughs> we might not need to know that. Whitaker. Ah, there we go. Oh, Angela Whitaker. <laughs> and also, you've got not quite Cribbins, the bus driver. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was completely blanked on him. <laughs> he was giving me such great Cribbins vibes, oh. I was actually starting to get quite mournful. But then he died, so and, uh, it's I fine. Felt, I felt like he had promise. <laughs> that didn't stir any salt into the wounds. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. And then he just, the doctor very clearly says, don't go through there, you'll die. And he's like, oh, great, I'll just run into this wormhole. And nobody thinks to stop him. Yeah. I mean, you could soundbite this, maybe, because it is, the doctor says, so what you're saying is, on the other side of that is home. We can get to London through there. The bus came through, but we can't. Well, then what are we waiting for? And I don't know. I'm going home, mate. So don't. <laughs> All right, then. Got to get back to the depot. Bye. <laughs> Also, skeletons don't stick together that way, right? I mean, that's that's <laughs> not how it works. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and also, if everything sort of organic and fabric and everything except for bones gets burned away, why is his wallet intact on the other <laughs> side? Like, oh, fuck, I just hated that scene. It's terrible. Anyway, so that, I guess that's that. <laughs> I, okay, so I have a question about the wormhole as well while we're here. Oh, let's do it. When, um, so, yeah, the guy goes through, turns into a skeleton and is immediately, like, instantly on the other side as a skeleton yeah but then when the bus goes through it takes them ages like a really long time to like drive through the wormhole yeah Oh, shit. Also, the sand. I mean, if, if it burns lots of stuff on the way through, he just, the doctor at one point just throws a, a handful of sand at it and it still wobbles on the other side. Like, wouldn't yeah. that just evaporate? Yes. Yes, it would. If this episode were in any way consistent. And the other, and the thing about the wormhole 
is now 10 miles. 10 miles high? Does it literally just grow upward? I sort of imagined... I guess so. I know, it also grows outwards into the fourth dimension, which is why it takes longer for them to get through at the end. (laughs) I see. Yeah. But does it not... Do they not grow... (laughs) That's so well doctored. (laughs) Do they not grow... Like, it's a spiral. Should it go outwards? Should people just walking across London be not, like, 10 miles wide be... Yeah, should you maybe not back up a bit? You're right. They should be looking around on their desert plan at San Helios. And just skeletons just appearing. Yeah. Left, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. I was going to say London is appearing, but yeah, you're right. Skeletons yeah. appearing everywhere. Yeah, unit skeletons with guns scattered everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> We're really uh, tearing the science of this episode a new one, but okay. <laughs> well, can we keep going with that? I think we can. There's a little bit of trivia associated with the damage to the bus, by the way. The fact that, like, traveling through the wormhole is damaging in some way. Mm. And apparently it's because they had two props, two bus props. One in London and one wherever most of this episode was shot. Can't remember where, but... Oh, yeah, by the way, bear in mind, they transport... They flew the entire production crew to a different country to shoot most of this episode. As in, presumably, a desert country like Tunisia or Morocco yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. All of that for this. For the, anyway, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, the, the prop that they had over there was damaged and so they rewrote the script to include oh actually it will damage as it's traveling through Mm, cool yeah that's good the other science i was going to tear apart was lady christina's body heat waking up the stingray what are you talking about she's smoking isn't that that sort of the the whole thing she even makes a joke about it oh yes of course yeah like you like your cock would turn to ash in my vagina doctor Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you really want to get up inside this one. I mean, at the end of the episode, we get everyone just get sort of patted down or like stood to one side like, hey, are you okay? But then we get this extended crotch shot of Lady D'Souza Mm. as she gets her labia scanned by one of the unit dudes (laughs) in like a, you know, a hazmat suit. Like the most extended crotch shot I think we have had on New Who so so far. Mm. Where where do you think she keeps her artifacts? 10 seconds of crotch. I can't stop saying crotch. <laughs> Wait, did you say where does she keep the... Do you think it's a metal detector and they're just scanning her crotch for the cup of Ethelstan? Yeah. Yeah? yeah? I think so. Oh, yeah, I guess the, doctor, so. the doctor probably beat it flat and she just you know, <laughs> tucks it away for a rainy day. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. But also, when she's down there with the stingray that she wakes up with her magic crotch of fire, <laughs> then they come back up and there's a stingray ten times the size. And Isn't it yeah. roughly the same? I didn't realise that it was larger than the... Isn't it the same is it, one? Is it? Is it not much bigger? Oh, I, I, thought I think it, it is one. supposed to be the same one. No, but but it, the, the, the first one got frazzled in the security grid. Oh, you're right. Uh, you're right. Oh, yeah, so it's two different ones and one of them has just had more to chow. Yeah, maybe. I guess so. I mean, the, the, my only reaction at the time was, oh, wow, it's much bigger than I thought it was. Well, I didn't Ross think they were like this big. I know this doesn't help podcast viewers, but <laughs> <laughs> roughly the size, the size of a ruler, like yeah, about a foot long. When you see the little, <laughs> <laughs> you see the little like uh, swan, the little one, the baby one. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What? When they get to the, the like projection of one and it's just floating around and they're like pointing at it. I oh, the hologram. Of, yeah, the hologram. That's the word. I thought that was life size, and then I was very surprised when they were that big. Oh, yeah. Well, they were tiny little mite things, like, eat, just eating. I didn't even think that far ahead. Mm. But I think it makes sense to have them huge. 
Because mm. I mean, there aren't enough of them to cover an entire planet. It would take so long for them to eat the entire planet. Uh, yeah. But if they're, oh, no, that's but if they're enormous big. and there are millions of them, then I guess it's like, okay, well, at least this shaves 50% off the time to eat a planet. You know, well done, guys. Now, I'll tell you what it does. It means that they can get rid of those fly extras and the, brund- the, <laughs> the brundle flies. Yeah, and then you don't have to worry about transporting them to Earth or anything. And you can just be like, great, we're moving on. We only care about humans. Fuck oh. you, xenomorphs. <laughs> Well, it's just, you know, Greek for foreign body, isn't it, essentially? Oh, okay. that's, that's where I'm going with it. Oh, okay. Oh, well done. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, yeah, I don't speak Greek. Well done. They reminded me very much. Nick and I very recently reviewed a classic serial, a Pertwee serial called Mind of Evil, in which it, there's this alien in a in a bucket that transmits whatever. Like, it, it, Is that like the Doctor Who version of Polly in My Pocket? Alien in a bucket. <laughs> alien in a bucket. <laughs> Just as cute as can be. <laughs> I totally forgot about Polly in my pocket. There's this alien in a bucket that can put your worst nightmare, like just manifest your worst nightmare. And, and most people to whom it does this, they, they die of fear. And when it does this to the doctor, among other things, he sees these anthropomorphized flies. He sees these people with the heads of flies that look almost exactly like these dudes. Hmm. It's pretty cool, I think. And that's what the doctor fears the most of all the aliens he's seen. But it's not an alien that we've encountered on classic who so it's just like oh what props do we have oh make a new alien and we'll just pretend that he's encountered these at some point and they were terrifying but then it, they made them, them friendly yeah i'm not saying they're, they're just... the same aliens i'm saying okay. they're very similar i'll do a comparison screenshot on on uh, whobackwen.com okay well it seems like they missed a trick here anyway yeah when they could have introduced these as terrifying new villains and maybe some super nerds were like great finally i've been waiting 30 years for this stuff <laughs> <laughs> No, you haven't. Instead, we get shit eaters. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Tritivores, as in detritivores, as in shitivores. Maybe that's the thing that horrifies the Doctor more than anything. Maybe. Yeah, that's shit exactly eaters. it. Yeah. It's like a uh, human centipede. That would <laughs> be one of the images that I would see if, if I encountered an alien in Bucket. Yeah, it would. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just looking at my notes over here. Quite often, the very first note that I, I write down is just a question, and it's like a little, uh, yeah, mind if I start us off with a question? Hmm. Yeah. So in this one, I have written, hmm, I often do start off with a question. Was there no god or laser, what's it called, before they marched in? Why wouldn't you just have a glass case and a motion sensor on it? Why is she still indoors after going back to the roof? Why does she take off her mask before she's escaped? Why is she wearing diamond earrings to a spelunking burglary? Why is her sole escape plan one dude parked right by the back door? Why doesn't the bus stop when it's being pursued by tons of cops with flashing lights? Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, all of that. That was the first thing I wrote as well. Why doesn't anyone look at the thing they're guarding? Yeah. They just, everyone just stand with your back to this, I like. But also, like, no one was guarding it before they entered the room. Yeah, true. Well, no, there was a good way to pick it up. There was, Problem solved. There was a sailor. There was a guy from the Navy. Oh, uh, really? With a, with a naval hat on. Who was oh, Did he have a wooden it? leg and a parrot on his shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> He was, he was from the Order of Athelstan, you know, back when the, the first English king instituted the Royal Navy. I don't know. But you're right, there are at least ten things wrong with this opening scene, and the whole episode is just reeks with everything has to bend to fit whatever's going to happen next, rather than actually make any sense. I mean, they really wanted to set up her... Ethan Hunt spelunking outfits like that that equipment they really wanted to go like she can do this so that later on we can have a call back to it and the audience will go we know that she's an expert at this we can trust her this is great yeah she's got background now but where the like if she escaped there's a hatch in the roof of the 
international gallery? And when you escape through that hatch, you're somehow still downstairs inside it? Like, what the fuck did she do? Where did she go? Did you go? Did she break back into the gallery? Like, why? What? Can someone help me? <laughs> also, why is the goblet of the first English king in the international gallery? Sorry, just me. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than the national gallery. It's the first national thing we have, and it's in the international <laughs> gallery. <laughs> I mean, what is the International Gallery? Is this just them having popped a new sign outside the National Gallery, though? I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's probably because the British Museum is full of the world's artifacts. So the International Gallery has to be full of the stuff we didn't steal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Seems we renamed the Foreign Gallery if Theresa May gets away. The Dirty Foreign Gallery. Oh, well, that's tomorrow. Oh, okay. God, yeah. oh, no. By the time you hear this, ladies and gentlemen, the, 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 the fate of the UK will have been decided. Up until 2022. Oh, yes, you're right. Sorry. Up until 2022. We are currently just about 24 hours away from... from the... 24 hours away from the exit polls. Oh, yeah. And knowing whether we can sleep at night. So back to this terrible episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take solace in this appalling episode. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, my next note is actually quite relevant to what we were literally just discussing. I, I've written down, potential screenshot opportunity five minutes in. Why are all the black people sitting separately from the white people? Ooh. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, just a, just a stray observation. Now, are they also nearer the back of the bus? Oh, goodness. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go with unintentional coincidence. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. I've got another question about Lady Christina the fuckface. Okay. Which is... <laughs> For me, the problem with the character, among so many others, was the same I had with Heath Ledger's Knight in A Knight's Tale. My sister oh. had me watch A Knight's Tale because she really loved it, and I managed to turn her against it. <laughs> <laughs> and now she hasn't watched it since. Oh. Because I, rev- I opened her eyes to the fact that there is no reason given why we should like him, and here there's no reason given to like her. But aren't we meant to like him because he's dreamy and cool? And well, they play We Will Rock You in, the, in that film. Well, exactly, but there's one. nothing actually coming from within him there's no charisma that he's exuding or or empathy or or quality and that's the same with her here she and like you said um when we were watching the episode probably loads of her nerds are orgasming when her spandex squeaks and that's enough that's like Heath Ledger being dreamy and that is apparently the basis for a character that we're supposed to accept yeah it's just not on no but I mean okay so if you use that parallel didn't that film come out shortly after 10 things I hate about you which grounded him as this incredibly a, a good actor, a very likable actor, a likable person, and also dreamy and hunky and like super sexy. That was the backstory to Knight's Tale. Even though it's completely anachronistic, people went to Knight's Tale and they went, I know this guy because I've seen him flirt with What's Her Face in high school. Mm. And in this one, people watch this episode and they relate to her character because they go, I know that person from East Enders and I know that person from having jacked off to her image in FHM. Okay, Marie, you watched EastEnders. <laughs> Glad you didn't go with the other one. She was Marie, you jacked off to her in FHM. <laughs> I know, because I can't open it anymore. <laughs> oh, sorry. Please, please. Marie, you yeah. watched EastEnders. <laughs> yeah. what, did you, what did you think? Um, yeah, she she was a very likable character in EastEnders. There you I go. Think, yeah. But then she's playing the exact opposite. Like, she was very grounded and normal and likable, and now she's this Irish to crap with this fake accent and but do you think there's a maybe not likable I don't know her from EastEnders at all yeah. you're, you're the expert here but well, really really don't pity me <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Expert. <laughs> but do you think that maybe there's an element of laziness behind it because they yeah. go, well, if we call someone who's famous enough, it's like, we well, don't it, really have to worry about it. It's a bit like casting Kylie. You will, you, just everybody likes Kylie. You don't really have to try very hard. Like, but, but she's a good actress. Actress, so. and that was a good character, and that was a good episode. Yeah. yeah. But so I think maybe yeah they've tried to do it again. We don't with another soap star. We don't have a oh, um, yeah. enough time to build up a backstory for this character, so we're just going to give you someone you already know. And again, and the guy, um, Tennant. Oh. <laughs> um, which, guy, which guy? The Lee? guy, the guy from the last episode as well, Morrissey. Mor- oh, David, David Morrissey. Morrissey. Yeah, he's a very well liked English actor as well. Like mm. you, he hasn't had any like massive massive roles where you go, oh, it's it's him. It's just he's in a lot. Or of he things. hadn't had the time, maybe. Oh yeah, maybe then. But there's in a lot of things that most people go, oh, I know him. I can't remember like picture where from exactly, but I know that I like him. Um, sure. It's just these little shortcuts for the specials. I think I may have shot myself in the foot because every other example that you've now brought up, they've done tremendous jobs and they've been much more fleshed out as characters. Yeah. Yeah. She was but just poorly no, written. Then. I still think the point the point stands is that they've used they've used them as shortcuts, but it's just maybe they got too lazy. It worked so well in the past. They were like, oh, we don't need to try too much with this one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. As a veteran of the Beatles board on fanfiction.net. <laughs> Hello. You, yeah. Some time ago. Pleased to meet you. <laughs> Wendy's later. Checking in. If um, you, c- y- you have a base on which to build, you can take shortcuts, but you can't be lazy. Yeah. You can't just be artistically bankrupt, mm. which is what they were here. Yeah. It's just... But ugh. I think... I don't know if they they didn't try to make her likable. They she was annoying when she's like, "Oh, I'm going to be the leader," and then cut to we're in the bus and she's on point six of this massive like diatribe. <sighs> well, my question is, did they not have? a couple of female staffers who are at a sufficiently high level to be able to say no woman this is, is going to like this no this, this is kind of most fire. men yeah. aren't either yeah but i did I, I liked that scene because it then set up when the doctor jumps in and does take over because both of you said at the time why is he letting her she was like oh i'm in charge and he just sits back and lets her yeah and then when he kind of sees his moment everyone's panicking everyone's screaming on top of each other and he then steps in and says and calms everyone down and that does bit the is whole, wonderful i love that scene that's a really nice scene i agree yeah, yeah. yeah. and just brings it back down to a human level and it's like everyone's got something to hold on to yeah to, like hope absolutely yeah, yeah. but it's just makes even more stark in contrast her own lack of authority and empathy and humanity that's why i say i don't think they they didn't try to make her likable no like they're setting her up as a but this is my problem with heath ledger in a night's tale it's like yes he's an arrogant night dickhead it's like (laughs) for two hours brilliant there's no character development he just romps around being a dickhead and he eventually is a more successful dickhead and But he has nice floppy hair. Oh, so he does. Yeah. Scratch the last 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And she calls people smelly. Do you think that maybe, like, taking a jab at the aristocracy? I mean, it's almost like it's a return to feudal times whereby she goes, you will now do this job, and you are now the whatever, and you are the mechanic, and you are the thing, and blah, blah. You are my desert gardener. Here is a spade. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Go to work, fine. My next note, why did she bring a spade, by the way? But Wait, hang on. Do you think that's it? Possibly. Maybe, I'll tell you what, write in rich who back when fans <laughs> and tell us how finally you saw yourselves reflected
blooded. Preferably blue blooded. Yeah, in this shining paragon <laughs> of a character who you've been waiting for for all this time, and how Moffat with his stupid socialist leanings is just ruining it for for us now. Isn't that what every aristocrat dreams of being a low rent Thomas Crown? Yeah, that's exactly what. They're, yeah. Mm, anyway, yeah. So okay, so in that scene, we get to see the interior of the bus, and on the wall there is an advert. Sorry, this is a complete step away from this. There's an advert for a fictitious book. A book that does not exist, that the the production team just created, as in created an advert for, popped it inside there. And I googled this, and no one has an answer for it, <laughs> apparently, but there are so many people asking the question, what does this mean? What does this mean? <laughs> uh, the book in question is Ocean of Noise by E.R. Butler, and it features the uh, tagline, or the strapline, Ocean of Noise offers a window into a world that is as dark as it is enlightened. Theories? I want to read that book. Oh yeah, me too. Why not? Ocean of noise er butler love her or his books Mm. Ocean of Noise offers a window into a world that is as dark as it is in light. Is the clue in that strap line? Is, I don't know. I mean, is it a reference it, to it, the end of this season in some way? I don't maybe. remember the... I, it, I thought if you look into this for enlightenment, you will only meet with darkness because there's actually nothing more to it than this joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> but why make that ad? Yeah. To fuck with fans! Oh. So, RTD is listening to this, pissing himself <laughs> laughing. Just rubbing the jam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much jam. Damn, mission accomplished. Who back when's talking about this? Oh, yeah, maybe. Actually, yeah, good point. That's very, that's the sort of theory. But, okay, let's keep this in mind in case in the final double feature, mm. maybe something comes up. I think we've had other books or other fictional you know, um, paraphernalia appear in Doctor Who. Like, maybe in, maybe not in Midnight. I'm just thinking of that because that was a rocket and this is a bus. <laughs> but something similar has come up and there Surely, is, yeah. has equally been no explanation. Oh, so maybe we'll never find out. And the internet will keep clamouring for an answer. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, a Wikipedia page, unsolved Doctor Who references and mysteries. There's just <laughs> thousands of lines long. Mm. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> I mean, if S Gamer and JD don't know, then nobody does. That's true. Frankly. <laughs> right in, S Gamer and JD. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got another science question for both of you. The Doctor says that he speaks every language. Does that mean that the TARDIS translation matrix is somehow still at play? No, I think he's gone to the trouble of learning every language of the universe apart from the old satanic one which was around in the early days probably before the creation of the universe where the doctor says he's been in this episode doesn't he say uh, in the satan bit however doesn't he say that if it's a language that not even the tardis can translate then that's that must be a really really old language he doesn't say if it's a language that i haven't bothered learning myself it must be really old he totally credits yes. the tardis yes and does. we have learned that there is such a thing as the tardis translation matrix how i mean paraphrase i don't know if that's what it's called but that's the get out of jail free card that's the oh bbc suddenly figured out 15 years into the show shit everyone speaks english <laughs> all right we're gonna fix this now these guys don't speak english we hear them click and exactly sound like someone gargling vomits and then all of a sudden he says yeah i speak every language yeah and I, where i was going with my point was he has something that translates every language he has the babel box so of all people in the universe he doesn't need to learn every language but he has uniquely gone to that effort what a guy <laughs> 
also the he's same a Michelle Thomas of time travellers. The Satan Pit language, surely that's the TARDIS has had longer to translate that than any other language. What languages are you going to learn if not the languages that are from the time before you? Sorry, this was 20 episodes ago, but... <laughs> <laughs> Those are all very fair points. Mm. Uh-huh. None of the science in this episode checks out at all. No, true. What about Malcolm's science? Oh, and his Bernards. His Bernards, yeah. <laughs> Malcolm, you bring up one of the rare good things about this episode. Yeah, now. I liked Malcolm. When I saw Lee Evans appear, my hopes were not high. <laughs> <laughs> And yet, he was, <laughs> he was the most lovable thing about yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah, he was really good. I checked to see if he returns. He doesn't, really. Mm. He's mentioned in Day of the Doctor, and then he shows up in a comic, a Doctor Who comic called Don't Step on the Grass. But that's it. Mm. He was, I should have brought him back. Yeah. yeah. Maybe mine is a little, like, torn down the slapstick a tiny little bit. But Maybe that's what he does, though. That's what he does? Yeah. He's I'm quite, not familiar with I think that was already quite toned down. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's in Mouse Hunt to give you an idea of you know not familiar with level. Mouse Hunt. It's just him and Nathan Lane running around a house like they're two Toms and the mouse is a Jerry. It's oh, this is the movie based on the famous parlor well, the, game the board Mouse game. Hunt. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, that's Mouse Trap. Completely different. Oh, oh yeah. sorry. They don't concoct a Heath Robinson-like machine <laughs> over the course of two hours. <laughs> Oh, that's really yeah. disappointing to me now. Oh. <laughs> okay, but but yeah, I would love to see him come back. Yeah, and he it was actually quite pulled it off. Actually, I mean, you talk about bad writing in this episode. He had to say "I love you" to the Doctor so many times. Mm. He could have annoyed the shit out of us by the end of it. But each time, it was just as lovable. Yeah, it was more lovable. I think it got better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like a fine wine. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And every other time we've railed against the repetition, the endless repetition that Doctor Who seems to be indulging in lately, in our reviews of it, <laughs> this was unique yeah. in actually fulfilling the point they must have thought it was fulfilling when they wrote it down on the page. Sloppily. Mm. Yeah. So one of my notes, we talked about repeating. This episode also repeated a fair few ideas. Okay. Which one of them sprang to mind when, first of all, Planet of the Dead is essentially like Forest of the Dead, but on a bigger scale. Just in, the, just in the title. It, just in the title. Wait, no, but it oh. is also the... Right. the it's the Vashti Narada that eat anything that comes into the... Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the flesh-eating... The, yeah. Yeah, okay. And strip everything apart from the bone. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, so we've had that. Yeah. yeah. And in that episode, as in this, they're standing looking down a bottomless pit to the core of a giant ship slash planet, mm. and... They have to go down that hole, but instead of the Doctor supermanning it down there, she does her Ethan Hunt thing. Ethan Hunt spelunking thingy. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we've had that, I mean, not just in Doctor Who, we have the, the trope of we have to jump down a, a chasm or a hole or whatever a lot. Okay, okay, I'm check a, this out. Okay, I'm checking it. The tapping <laughs> of the alien's hand on the screen, oh, which well. turns out to be the fly's hand, I suppose, yep. at the end of it all, which is a pretty big anticlimax, was exactly <laughs> like the Rachnos claw yep. in a previous special. Along fact, with, as you pointed out while we were watching this, along with the noise of the Brundle flies that looked, that, that it, it was very much like the Rachnos yeah and tap, 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 tap. and it was it was the same rhythm and pacing as well you'd see about one shot every 10 minutes and every time a little bit more of the hand or the arm or the shoulder was revealed 
hate to say it, I think that also is a really, really classic trope mm. where you only get to see the, the monitor aboard an alien spaceship or an alien station or something like that as they are observing the main characters. Well, they are usually the bad Sorry. guys. Like, that just sets them up as you're being watched and, and this is... That's a, true. Yeah, that's true. So I guess there was a little twist on it. Yeah. But it was a disappointing the, twist. Oh, I was going to ask, like, does that make this better? Like, no, because <laughs> I think they would have been more interesting as, as, like, a bad guy. How bad is that goddamn monitor by the way like why would you design <laughs> if you're an alien race why do you design a monitor just have things overlap it, you know like wh- why do you have oh we're a bug race so we need bug like things kind of obscuring parts of the screen it makes no sense also they've got compound eyes would a monitor why wouldn't they have your right yeah. <laughs> have 250 monitors <laughs> have a compound monitor or something you're so yeah. right that is such a good point yes uh, why don't they have wings by the way way mm. that that really bugs me like why why do these bug dudes not have wings um i suppose they've just evolved like like chickens the wings became vestigial and now they can't fly anymore and then they got arms instead i'll tell you why it is <laughs> i'll tell you why it is because as shit eaters you don't tend to find much airborne shit but you want as many arms as possible just to, like, shove as much shit into your mouth as you can. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, I felt kind of bad for these guys because they clearly, I mean, they have they have a rough time as it is. Now they're stranded on a desert planet. No one's shitting anywhere. Somewhere on board that ship, by the way, just the fact that they are still alive... It means that there's, like, there's so much shit. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, were there just two dudes? Did everyone else die? Or were there just two dudes? How long were they supposed to have been there? I don't know. Seemed like a long time. Because they were were called in, so it's before civilization was eaten. Yeah. So So a a year ago. I guess, how long does it take to eat a civilization? They can't have been there very long because the stingrays would have had it. Well, how long does it take the stingrays to go all the way around? Well, if they're flying around the planet fast enough to rip a wormhole in space, you'd think not very long. <laughs> oh, that's true. Although, why doesn't that just speed up the rotation of the planet? Why does that tear a hole in the fabric of space-time? Because, wait for it, wait, wait. wait. And, and this, <laughs> a lot hinges on this, because I thought the one clever thing this episode did was to have the conceit of a race that creates wormholes in that way and travels from place to place and devours the planets thereby. That's yeah. what I thought was the one thing. Can you explain it to me? Uh, I can by quoting the Doctor as he explains something else. In a super clever outer space you like. Trust me. I mean, I, it's it's the equivalent of saying it's wibbly-wobbly, it's timey-wimey. Yeah. He says, oh, it's a super clever outer spacey way. I agree. I think that's a really good a good idea. It's a it's a nice plot driver. However... They're not, they're not evil. They're just doing what they do, but they are destroying civilizations and oh, They're just eating. And, they're just yeah, eating and traveling around. Yeah. yeah. They're not doing anything intentionally. I also get the... Imp- yeah, exactly. They're not doing anything intentionally. I get the impression that they're not even really aware of what's yeah. going on. I mean, they're just... They're just stingrays. I mean, they're just like a massive Sharknado and they're just running, flying around a planet and occasionally the planet around them just sort of changes. Must do. I mean, from their point of view, they're not intelligent enough to go, if we all go in the same direction, it just gets refilled. Yeah, exactly. Every now and then it's like, oh, 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 nice. Someone served dinner. Cool. (laughs) We're not going to eat for a year and then we're going to eat again for a year. But sage Caribbean lady aboard the bus, she goes, it was intentional. Mm. Someone intentionally created this world 
wormhole, like there's a malevolence, there's a malevolent intelligence behind it. Yeah. That does not check out for me. No, it doesn't. No. Yeah, she, she was quite an annoying character as well. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, yeah. Don't act surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you know perfectly well she was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was. Everyone was annoying in this one. Mm. But but at the end, when she gets to do oh. her thing, he will knock um, four times. Yeah, that was oh. a good line. I mean, that's so intriguing. It really is. Yeah. And I mean, ladies and gentlemen, podcast land. We looked at each other at that point. Like I had goosebumps. <laughs> Just, oh, it's worth it. Sat through an hour of this nonsense. It was worth it. And it just brought back... Like, I Should have fast-forwarded, but yeah. I haven't seen that episode that she's referring to at the end of the this series for so long, but no. it brought it back crystal clear, like, <gasps> that moment. I won't spoil it. Oh, don't spoil it. No, I, no. I don't really remember that. Oh, my God. I, I remember do. a few Absolutely. things. I mean, I know who comes back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You two looked at each other and said, worth it. I stayed aloof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that did. That saved the episode for me, I think. That one line. <laughs> oh, that didn't even make up for all her annoying lines to that point. <laughs> run, 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 run. Oh, it's it's death. You know what? You know what? I think it's death. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all it's all shiny. It's like shiny death. <laughs> And it's a point where they're all behind the bus and she's like, they're coming! It's like, yeah, everybody else can see that now. You don't have to narrate this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like on the lottery. Number 44. 44! Yeah. <laughs> Number 27. 27! How do you do it? I would love to win £10 a week every week, though. <laughs> would you not? Yeah, why not? Like, why not play more? Why not play, like, a hundred games one week? <laughs> what, yeah, dare to dream bigger. Like, just <laughs> yeah. Come do on. the national lottery, not, like, one of those ten quid ones. Actually, I, I did like that little bit where they ended up saying ten pounds a week, twice yeah. a week. That, that, it, that it, was, it is actually really nice. It's quite sweet. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're and right. they were a very sweet couple when, when he was like, I'm making, what was he making? Steak and uh, chips. Something, chops and gravy? Chops and gravy. And then she goes, and I do the washing up. Like they take it in turns. I thought that was like, really oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah. yeah, and you started to warm to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I was leading on to was there was a lot of attempts at humour in this episode, and mm. most of it was awful. <laughs> like, like when when the unit general, I'm afraid her name escapes me, is saluting, and the doctor says, "Did you just salute?" And oh yeah, and on the phone, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he says that really unnatural line. To say, oh, we've had all the extremes for D'Souza to be able then to say, oh, yes, I love it, extreme. It I'm was, a dirty aristocrat. It was even worse <laughs> than that. Because he said, since, since I've been with you, it's been nothing but extremes. It's like, no, come on, Doctor. This Like, your life is extremes. Don't blame it on her. Not blame. Uh, don't give her the credit. Yeah, exactly. Don't yeah, but, but someone, yeah, shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, but she someone, thinks she brought the extreme now. But someone, namely RTD and what's his face? The other guy? The other writer? Gareth Roberts. Gareth? Roberts, they were high-fiving the shit out of that line. <laughs> they were like, nailed it! <laughs> Extreme, right? <laughs> this is the best. This is this is going to save the episode. Yeah. Now we just need to set it up, mm. naturally, with two <laughs> minutes of ham-fisted monologue that somehow uses the word extreme. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not as acquainted as I was with the phenomenon of Mary Sue characters, but does this woman count? Is she a Mary Sue? Mary Sue? What's a Mary Sue? What's a Mary Sue? The internet was awash with poorly written women as Mary Sues a few years ago. Um, but I, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll look it up. Look it up, please. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay, while you look up Mary Sue, I'm going to pull up another sound bite. Oh, the places I've been. 
Because it's that's like you can go anywhere you like. Basingstoke, Alpha Centauri. <laughs> like, <laughs> why? Why is it like? Oh, I've seen every aspect of uh, the past, the future, every every you know time, every space, every part of the infinite universe. And you start with World War One. You don't even specify World War One on this planet. It's. Mm, yeah. I mean, why is is that? Are they the top two? <laughs> World War One and the creation of the universe. He scored. <laughs> he scored the. Winning goal on Christmas Day in No Man's Land because obviously he was the striker and he wouldn't pass the ball. That's who the doctor is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nick agrees, right, Nick? Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Mary Sue there we go. is an idealised and seemingly perfect fictional character. Often this character is recognised as an author insert or wish fulfilment. So maybe she's not quite a Mary Sue, but she's definitely someone well, like who's... a Stepford wife of some description. No, as in someone who really obviously the author wants to be. Oh, or is I the see. author's favourite character. Or wants to marry or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To the utter disregard of everyone and everything else in the plot. And I feel like a bit of that happened here. Maybe. But yeah, Maybe, but but more. I mean, I'm sorry to pull that down into the gutter a little bit, but more along the lines of, I mean, a little bit of a wank fantasy. It's just like, oh, I'm gonna put together what I I think the bulk of the audience will think is really raunchy and sexy thief in her spandex. Do you think it does come from t- like Torchwood is obviously a little bit like sexier and for a more adult audience, and they're trying to he's trying to bring a bit of that into the Doctor. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. to further emphasize that point. It, it feels like the the ideal uh, we're talking about female characters here the the ideal woman aboard this bus is caribbean lady right i mean she's <laughs> she's wise she can see the future <laughs> She's capable of, of loving. Uh, she's pulling she, in a solid 20 pounds a week. <laughs> <laughs> and she's part of this perfectly harmonious romantic relationship. Yeah. I mean, basically, both of those, that couple is the ideal couple in yeah. a way, because they're so happy. Yeah, but she's too minor and tangential to be a Mary Sue character. A Mary Sue isn't really this uh, Lady Christina D'Souza, really. A Mary Sue is a badly written female character who who is clearly written by someone with no experience of women or has any interest in depicting a real human being. Maybe River Song is nearer <gasps> as a candidate. What? Except she's good. So. River Song is good. Oh, interesting. She's Thank a good you. Mary Sue. But I, I, I reckon that some Sorry, people Sorry, I totally misunderstood have, the Mary Sue thing. Some people will have criticised when River Song came along her as a Mary Sue character. I guarantee it. Oh, I'm going to make a point now that I didn't make because I wasn't on that episode but that I wish I'd made and it fits into this Mary <laughs> Sue thing. Um, the end of... Forest of the Dead, when he, um... Puts, puts River in the little, like, computer universe. Yeah, welcome to the Hell Matrix forever. <laughs> does, does that basically turn her into a Mary Sue? He's put her in this, like, mother role. Oh, I'm totally getting it now. Yes, her in this domestic bliss that she never asked to be in, and she's this, like... Uh, yes, except I think she's aware of the hell that she has now been destined to spend eternity in. But that's, the, that's what you've described, basically, is, like, not really understanding, like, 
like her as an individual woman just putting her in this like role yeah possibly yeah. The, when Don now had the exact same life with the exact same kids in yeah. the same matrix yeah yeah, yeah it, that right? as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <gasps> more so than than uh, what's her face River Song because River Song knows exactly what's happening like she's yeah, but she this isn't choose... me and this isn't my life she didn't choose to be there she's got no she can't escape it is that not worse I guess she does embrace it in a way towards the end as well hmm. that really pissed mm. me off that though because it felt like it was against everything that we've seen of River. Like, and I know that in that episode, you haven't seen all that. That comes... Sure. Well, even now we haven't seen it. That comes later. Yeah. Um. So when they were writing it, they didn't, you know, didn't know. But even in that one episode, the backstory that you have for her and how important she is to the Doctor and, like, she's this adventurer, she's his equal, all these things. She has a sonic screwdriver and then he just puts her in this little domestic bubble. I always thought that was a real letdown. It's awful. Yeah. Oh. That was that. We'll have a moment of silence for River Song. Yeah. So this planet is called San Helios, Leo. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. Well, okay, I, I say I hate this. I've brought this up on Who Back When before, saying I hate this as a phenomenon. <laughs> uh, but I, I, since then, it's it's a little bit of a parabola. Like, occasionally, I just love this. We were talking about this before pressing record, ladies and gents. It's called San Helios. It is a desert planet. Helios. It's bloody hot there. <laughs> but it was called San Helios before when it was this lush, green, you yeah. know, humid planet. <laughs> <laughs> and this calls back to a classic Who serial for me, a William Hartnell serial. You may have seen this one. I I want to say this is... <laughs> we always go back to the same one. I want to say this is... Drew, do you know which one? The, the Chase. chase. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> in which the... I think it's The Chase. In which Hartnell and co. go to the planet uh, Iridius, which is a desert planet. But it has recently become a desert planet. It used to be a... I mean, there are fish people living there because it used to be just this orb of water mm. and it, and now it's turned into desert. So why did you call it Iridius before when it was just a water planet, you fucking idiots? <laughs> and the same thing applies to San Helios. Maybe a time traveler named it. <laughs> Spoilers, but here's what you're going to call it. <laughs> it was really confused for a long time. And then he, <laughs> time traveler spends like centuries just two fingers up at that planet <laughs> laughing at them. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Possible. <laughs> i got to say, though, that I don't really feel any tension no. in this episode. I don't know how you guys felt, but when, when you've got a giant swarm of flying mega bastards <laughs> approaching from an enormous distance, there's no personal peril there. Okay, they had a bit in the fly shit yeah. that was easily dealt with. But it, I, guess I, I guess my mind could just skip ahead and be like, well, of course this swarm is going to be just enough far away, or just, yeah, just far away enough for them to be able to escape. Because you don't really see the threat. They're running, they're reacting, but there's it wasn't present enough for me. I think it was really, like, anticlimactical as well when, when they actually do catch up with them, and the bus is in the air, and the swarm is right there, and that feels like there's peril, and they get through the wormhole... And you're like, oh shit, they haven't closed the wormhole. Oh, this swarm is going to come through. And then and it just doesn't. It takes so long. And they spend forever just floating above London going, yeah. we're back home. Look, there's the London Eye. Yeah. Yeah. And there should be, like, there should be a massive swarm that followed them through the wormhole, not just three. They then managed to shoot down fairly easily. And yeah. 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 With guns that until now haven't worked on exhaust pipes. <laughs> <laughs> and now they can shoot down flying alien exoskeletons zipping about the sky. <laughs> The upper reaches of the ether. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect precision. Um, there was the peril when the like army major woman pulls her gun on Malcolm. 
Okay. I felt peril then. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt an an overwhelming urge to hug Malcolm. Oh, Malcolm. Oh, what a dude. Yeah. It'll be all right, Malcolm. Just die in my arms. It was so brave. It was like I will never surrender. <laughs> it was a good man. It's okay, Malcolm. You were brave. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question, question about that scene. Mm. She's super duper happy to just sacrifice the doctor to to save the earth, admittedly. Mm. But I mean, there's still a bit of a margin, like there's a safety margin. Yeah. She doesn't have to close that portal right or the wormhole right away. But she's super happy to sacrifice the doctor. Do you think, given that we've we've met her before, she was in turn left. Mm. When she saw what happens to the world without the Doctor, do you think she retained those memories? Wouldn't she have retained those memories? She was part of the team that, like, sent back Donna to go and, you know, kamikaze in front of the truck. Yeah. Because oh. she was part of the time travel team. Did, as soon as she was saying that, I was like, what the fuck are you saying? You've... You know who the Doctor is. You know how important he is. Well, yeah. You wouldn't just strand him on a, another planet or, you know... Yeah. Whatever, without his TARDIS. Yeah, maybe... Isn't that Beetle Universe unit general, though? Doesn't she become nothing when the Beetle flops back onto the... I mean, that is one of the possibilities. Yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But mm. what I'm thinking is we had we had Rose collaborate with her at the time. And she remembers. She remembers everything. Yeah. Exactly. But then she was from another universe. That's true, but wouldn't everything have reset? Mm. Oh, I'm sorry, we shouldn't get back into that one again. <laughs> And I'm just being I, ignorant. Look at Cribbins. Cribbins was throughout that episode, but I don't think he lived that year in Leeds, did he? No. No, that's true. But Cribbins also wasn't part of the team that, like, jerry-rigged an extra TARDIS time travel thingy. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. So it's possible that she had a trans-dimensional reality jumper jump. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why Well, by the way, even, even if she d- didn't, she is a... What is she, a colonel, a general? general whatever she's not the new brigadier right i mean she's a she's something she's a general or something mm. but regardless she she's a high ranking unit officer she has encountered the doctor before she mm. knows well certainly she's read about the doctor she knows all about the doctor oh but there is a line um that did really intrigue me and and she said something like we all know how it ends oh about we all want to meet the doctor but we know how that ends Oh, oh yeah, you're right. So I didn't know what to take from that. Whether it was just like he brings destruction whenever we, whenever you meet the Doctor, your lives in danger, or whether they had somehow had some warning about like a soothsayer seeing the future and told them that when you meet the Doctor, the world will end. Or like I don't know. That's that's super interesting because it was a really ominous line. It and was that yeah. Kind of explained maybe more why she was keen to get rid of him because we don't want to meet the Doctor. Okay, that 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 adds a whole new level to it that I hadn't considered at all. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's super interesting. Mm. I just took that to mean like, oh, I mean, we only ever meet him when something bad's going down because he's the guy that saves us. Mm. Not that he's the one who creates something bad. But I think there's always, they play with that quite a lot about whether the yeah. Doctor brings the trouble or is the save. Like, he obviously sees himself as saving the world and, and we do as, like, Doctor Who fans. But, yeah, from the other side, you go, oh, every time there's trouble, this guy is here, it must be him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> Anything else in your uh, massive pile of notes? Just that she comes up to the doctor at the end and says, why don't you take me with you? Everyone's always let me go everywhere. Mm. 
because of my amazing charm. So you're taking me around the universe, right? I mean, that was the most horrific moment of the episode for me. That was the pure horror right there. From her, that was horrific. From him, even worse. Well, no, it was quite interesting, I thought, because he said, like, I've had companions and I've lost them all. And it was basically him saying, I'm not going to have another companion. Yeah. Like he ruled out, which I know that we... I hate that. Really? I absolutely hate that. Yes, because I don't want him to... I mean, in general, we've already had him say something to that effect before, right? Mm. He doesn't want a new companion. Basically, he hasn't wanted a new companion since he lost Rose. Yeah. And then he's reluctantly taken on a new one, and then he doesn't want a new companion again because he's lost Rose and someone else. Yeah. But in this case, she's not companion worthy. She's not companion material. I don't want him to uh, reject her sort of offer of companionship because he doesn't want to lose her or put her in harm's way. I want him to just flat out reject her as a human being because Mm. she's an arrogant, full of herself criminal who deserves to be behind bars. Thank you. What was the line? (laughs) What was the really obnoxious line that she says just before she dives down the pit to get the crystal? Oh, oh, soundbite. Let's soundbite that. That That is such a wonderful line. The aristocracy survives for a reason. We're ready for anything. <laughs> not because they oppressed everyone else. Uh, certainly not. <laughs> it was because of their innate spelunking techniques. <laughs> <laughs> and and always having sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. And spades. Why did she have a spade? Did she expect to dig in the in, d- into the floor of the International Gallery? <laughs> Why did she bring a spade? Surely that's just unnecessary weight as mm. she's running away from the cops. Oh. Yeah, but you're right. The, the doctor doesn't reject her on account of her utter lack of morals it's because he might be a bit moody at some future point yeah it's it's <laughs> it's heartbreaking is what it is it really is <sighs> No. For me, so much of this episode was derivative, but the, it was original only in its awfulness. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when you said there was one original thing in it, it was it, how awful it was? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she finishes one of his sentences. Oh. Oh. Awful. Oh, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> She's the worst. There was one really good line, I thought, and that was... You look human. You look time, Lord. Mm. It reminded me a little bit of lots of plants have a north. Like it's it's the same kind of you know like oh, whatever like time lords humans whatever. Same things apply. Uh, yeah. Nah. Yeah. Maybe it's a stretch. Sorry. No. No. Go for it. There's the odd. There's the odd good line in this episode. <laughs> I liked the bit where uh, Barkley pulls out his fake Rolex. Oh. oh <laughs> yes, that is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that one a lot. <laughs> okay, so then fast forward to the end of the do- the doctor goes i was sure this was a trivia point by the way i googled it couldn't find it i don't i, I think i was wrong but the go- the doctor says oh those two privates barkley and nathan they're good lads barkley's really uh, a, a really good mechanic and the other one's looking for whatever they're super loyal no, i mean not, not really they're nice dudes yeah. one of them didn't even pass his one week mechanic course two weeks two weeks Okay, sorry. NVQ. But he didn't pass it. And the other guy, he seems like a nice chap, but... Well, apart from when he's being really passive-aggressive, going, Doctor, you promise? Yes, there you go. <laughs> we, we fucked this up and used all the petrol, but you promised you'd get it out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's why he lost his old job, by the way. That <laughs> attitude around the office is unhealthy. 
because yeah, I really recognised Barclay and I was thinking, oh, what? Like, does he come back later on as a unit soldier? And like, that's, that's what I, I assumed, yeah. yeah. Either that or that there are previous unit soldiers in Classic who named Nathan and Barclay or something mm. like that. Because he says, like, privates Nathan and Barclay. Yeah. Like, he even assigns them a rank. Mm. But no, no, no. no. Trivia brought up nothing. Uh, no trivia. What they were going to do was they were going to have a Saturday morning cartoon show. A spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan and Barclay, the Uniteers. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I've only got two more. One thing that we uh, actually brought up while we were watching this earlier tonight: emergency code one equals mm. call unit as an alien. Code one. The first <laughs> in line of all the emergency codes is there's something alien going down. <laughs> we should bring in the alien cops. Mm. Well, isn't that what unit? Oh, I see. That. But why is that number one? The, the just standard London detective. Exactly. Right. Gotcha. W- why wouldn't it be like a? Oh, we've got a code something blah 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 you know yeah. Uh, yeah or something to do with the queen code one surely would be like oh, pfft, oh damn it why do people keep calling unit and telling us that someone's robbing an off license you know like <laughs> that, surely that's more common than oh there's a there's a wormhole opening in central london lots of piranha fly thingies are coming through yeah, it just seems unreasonable yeah okay am i <laughs> Sorry, I'm really running on fumes over here, but the last well, one so is... so was RTD, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my final note is, uh, when when the unit lady shows up, can't remember her name, either uh, the general, when, when unit shows up in general, <laughs> uh, and uh, the cop goes, uh, here's what's happened two minutes ago. She goes, I know, I read the report. Who had time to write a report? <laughs> Which wow. report? What what is going on? <laughs> when you press one, that writes you a report. <laughs> because wibbly wobbly. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, that's my last one. I think that's it anyway. Time travel. Somebody in the future just goes back and writes all the reports and just puts them in a file. <gasps> so they're always there. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's yeah. someone's job. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> it's like go- ghost writing police reports. In- yeah. Instead of Looper where you're sent back in time to assassinate people, when they invent time travel really what the rich do is send the poor back in time to do the admin <laughs> that the rich don't want to they can't You're bother right, Chrissy. Yeah. and now it is time to rate this did we laugh or hate this bing bong bing bong hey la 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 ratings I'm going to start go for it I'm going to start with the last note I said as this episode was finishing and I promise that I wrote this and conceived of this before Matt Thomas's review became known to me okay for fuck's sake one point Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh <God. laughs> Do you want to follow that? <laughs> I don't know how to. I'm going to give it um, half a mark for that last line. 0.5. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> there was one good line. That's it. <laughs> Okay, the last classic serial that we did was Claws of Axos, and I gave that 1.2 because I really didn't like it, but I would much rather re-watch all four episodes of Claws of Axos than watch this one episode a fourth time. So I'm going to give this less than 1.2. 1.1. There you go. I'm going a little bit uh, above yours, Drew. Okay. Lady D'Souza was just terrible. Mm. Absolutely. Another reason, by the way, for the Doctor to reject her. You're like, no, I just spent a year with a person who can't act. 
sucked. Not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, I said, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I prejudiced myself against this episode. Do you remember? Yeah. And I said, it's not going up. It's not going up. <laughs> you could soundbite sound what he actually said into it. Last week. Last week, I thought that this episode might be better than I remembered and that the ending had soured it for me rather than, as with The Next Doctor, I just fixated on the good bit and forgot about the bad bit. I thought here... There was a bad bit that overshadowed the good bit, but there was no good bit. Oh. Malcolm was a good bit. Malcolm was a good bit, yeah. Oh, Malcolm was a good bit. Well, but then you give it 0.5 then. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll give it, all right, I'm gonna, I can up mine to 0.8. 0.8? Yeah, because nice. I'm going to give 0.3 for Malcolm. Nice one, Malcolm. Well done, high five. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Listener minis? Let's. Listener minis. Michael Ridgway is such a pro that he split this up into three equal sized paragraphs for us to read out. Michael Ridgway, you are a legend. <laughs> we love you, Michael Ridgway. High five, Michael. Love you. <laughs> love, love you. I can't do it. Love you. <laughs> Am I close? Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the first list of mini comes from Michael Ridgway. Hello, Michael. <laughs> Michael says, Hello, Who Back When gang. Here is my Planet of the Dead mini, a Doctor Who Desert Planet episode filmed in a real desert. Whatever else you think of this episode, the bus in the sand dunes is visually stunning. The return of kick-ass unit lady from Turn Left is very welcome. And I'm glad unit finally got taxpayer value for money, brackets VFM, for their expensive-looking anti-aircraft gun. Oh, nice one. <laughs> However, not enough stuff happens to justify the 60-minute yawn running time. Another plot element would have been welcome. Perhaps the human fly people should have been villains, puking acid, David Cronenberg style, on some of the more annoying passengers. <laughs> yeah, the Brundlefly! The Brundlefly! <laughs> Michael goes on. This episode reminded me of classic Who serials, The Three Doctors, where people are also transported to a desert planet. And who can forget the magnificent McCoy adventure, The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, which features evil clowns driving around a desert in a hearse. Wow. Uh, who can forget that? <laughs> I haven't seen those yet. And he gives this three out of five grains of sand. Oh my goodness. Wow, that's generous. Really? That's very generous. I don't know if Michael's just a brilliant writer, but all his descriptions of classic adventures just sound, just sound magnificent. <laughs> Far better than what we're watching right now. <laughs> Well done. Thank you so much for sending that in, Michael. Mm. Uh, Should we read Matt Thomas's, like, all together? Hang on, hang on. Matt Thomas, he needs a jingle. Oh, wait. Oh. Who's reviewing Matt Thomas? What's his rating? Matt Thomas. (laughs) 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 That is awesome. Wow. (laughs) I hope you're a Destiny's Child fan, Matt. If you're not, that's what you got. (laughs) You're right. Shall we read this one out together? I think we should. Okay, Matt Thomas goes. (laughs) 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 Massive red line. (laughs) (laughs) And he gives this a rating of what the humans leave behind from their behinds. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, okay. (laughs) Succinct. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> nice one, Matt. <laughs> Thanks for sending that in. Uh, we have one more listener, Mini. This one comes from... Guess who? Tracy, Tracy from America. America. Hello, Tracy. Tracy goes, Remember that episode of Next Gen when Picard falls for a, th- a thief who collects ancient relics? I loved that character. Why do I hate Christina so much? Well, she's presented as an obvious sham while the Doctor comes off as a more competent bluffer. That list she recites to the bus passengers is cringeworthy, and mainly it's her bag of gadgets that saves the day, not her brain. Although we get the sense that she's smart, she's not quite smart enough. She tries to exude confidence and wit, but the Doc somehow outshines her and makes it seem cheap by comparison. I can't figure out whether we are meant to love or hate this character. Could it somehow be both? Not sure if this is bad writing, bad acting, or bad directing. Oh, seconded yeah. across the board. Yeah. I, I'm fairly sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy continues, this very same episode, however, gives us Malcolm. Score. A fantastic, lively, devoted brainiac, Malcolm is begging for more screen time than he is given. He is the Doctor's equal in intellect, and they have adorkable exchanges in techno babble. Aww. Last note. It's an interesting choice to make the fly creatures not understandable. It's clunky. It adds a layer of dialogue we don't need from the Doctor. It wastes time. But it serves to make the world seem even more alien. Almost like older classic Who. Ooh. Rating, Anakin. Or, I hate sand. It's coarse, rough, irritating, and gets everywhere. But, I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> love you. <laughs> love you. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. The, the the writing of that scene in is that it's not Phantom Menace, is it? Uh, Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's sort of on par. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Tracy. Ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land who are not Tracy, you can follow Tracy on Twitter. She is at Yekatnyatnuf. That's Phantom Tracy. Backwards. <laughs> Bing bong, Future Punkin here. <laughs> we did actually receive one more somewhat last minute listener mini, and I'm going to read it out loud because I, I, well, for a, f- a couple of reasons. First off, I happen to have the mixer and mic still set up. And secondly, it's the first review from this person, and it's prefaced by him saying that he just marathon 50 plus reviews just in order to send this in and to ask us a question so like how can i not <laughs> going forward though please do send in your minis before we record we've lately been trying to say in advance on facebook when we're sitting down to record because otherwise i'm just too lazy to assemble the makeshift studio again anyway so here we go this one entitled my first review comes from english pizza <laughs> And he says, I like this episode for the most part. Sure, the acting is kind of silly, if not dumb at times, with everyone just believing the psychic woman because she says something like, death is riding on the wind, as well as the fact that the fly people somehow have video of them, even though there is no sign of any kind of camera on this cremated planet. Fair point. (laughs) Another dumb thing is that when the Doctor and Cassandra get to the fly people's ship, the fact that the Doctor simply kicks the spaceship and that fixes it is so stupid. But I can't help but laugh at it. And while we are still on the topic of the fly people, does that mean that all the flies on Earth are aliens similar to the bees in Stolen Earth? Oh, okay. Well, my first instinct is to say, no, I don't think so. I think this is just like a coincidence. It's like, what are they called? The rhino police dudes. All rhinos on Earth aren't aliens. It's just like this 
this weird Disney-esque uh, coincidence, I think. Uh, anyway, sorry, I, I'm getting off topic. English pizza continues, but as for scenes that I did really like, is when the Doctor is trying to comfort them and saying that home is still out there and he will get them back, as well as when the Doctor is talking to the unit woman and she is genuinely honoured to be speaking with him, and in response he just says, did you just salute? It was very funny to me. As well as the nerdy scientist says he's read all of the Doctor's files and the Doctor responds with, really, what was your favourite, the giant robot? Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I thought that was a nice nod to the Tom Baker serial, appropriately titled Robot. And even though I haven't seen it, but I, I still thought it was a nice reference. Interesting. I'm not familiar with that serial. If it's a Tom Baker one, then we're steadily approaching it. So, cool. Awesome. Nice reference. When I first watched this episode, English Pizza Continues, I thought that it was fairly enjoyable, but around the second or third time, it just came more and more silly as the episode went on. And overall, the whole thing didn't make much sense. Agreed. I give this episode a 2.8. It has some funny and charming moments that I found enjoyable, but other than that, I just kept asking myself, why did that happen? Why is this happening? And what is going on? Finally, English Pizza says, Considering we are coming up on the Matt Smith times as the Doctor and the end of David Tennant, I must ask a question. Could some of you possibly do a commentary on the end of time, similar to your episode commentary for Rose? If there was ever an episode to do a commentary on, it would be Tennant's last episode. Wow. Okay. I have not considered doing a, a like a commentary on a Doctor Who episode or serial since then, <laughs> mainly because our Rose commentary it, it wasn't entirely successful and it wasn't really met with high praise. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say it's probably quite unlikely that we'll be able to fit this in in time for the next two episodes, but never say never. Possibly my, my co-hosts can back me up on this. If, if someone suggests a project to me, I am not entirely disinclined to accept that project. The problem is I'm, I'm taking on way too many projects as it is, so I, I don't know when I'm going to squeeze this in. I think we also, all of us, need to rewatch End of Time before we can make any such commitments, but we'll We'll take your suggestion to heart and we will see what we can do with it. Thank you very much for sending in your very first review, English Pizza, if that's really your name. <laughs> very, very cool stuff. Please keep sending them in. Looking forward to hearing more from you. I'm going to bing bong it. Let's get back to the show and round off this episode. Ciao, Ravon. Bing bong. That was fantastic. Yeah. What have we got coming up next? For new, we've got... Waters of Mars. For classic, we have Colony in Space. And for our next bonus episode, we're going to have an introduction to Marie. That's right. Dropped pretty much simultaneously with this one. So go back to who back when and find it. Absolutely. <laughs> In the meantime, people can follow us sort of on Twitter. Marie, you're not on Twitter, but if uh, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land would like to communicate with you, they can tweet at whobackwhen or send an email to whobackwhen at gmail.com and we'll forward uh, anything on to you. Do you have any intentions of joining Twitter anytime soon? Not really. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Drew, yes. you're on Twitter, right? I am indeed. What are you on Twitter? I am at Drew Backwhen. Ingenious marketing. Well, well branded. <laughs> And I am at Ponken. You uh, may or may not know how to spell that. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, until the next time, be uh, rather excellent to each other. Rock on and ciao ciao. Bye. Toodles. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Blamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. Don't have any friends? No problemo. Tell some strangers. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you on Google Plus? Find us on Google Plus. That's plus who back when. And when you do, tell us why you're on Google Plus. 
Hoopback Gwen just got its very own Twitter account. No lie, so give us a follow. You guessed it, that's at Hoopback Gwen, all in one word. Check us out on SoundCloud, vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can leave a comment, submit a review of your own, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Not only would it make us super chuffed, and it really, really would, but as thanks, we will transmigrate your iTunes nom de plume into the credit list of trailers for fake Doctor Who audiobooks produced by Whobackwhen. Have a poke around our bonus episodes to make more sense of that. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next classic Who review, new Who review, or still funny audio Who review. Cha ciao. Who back when? Oh, it's over, it's over! I am not watching Waters of Mars thrice. So, <laughs> so if you want to come around and watch Waters of Mars here, you are more than welcome to, yeah. but I am not watching yeah, it again on my own. <laughs> let's do that, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs>